let's get into our message this morning from the book of Acts, and we're in a series that I'm calling First Steps, Lessons from Acts, and today, First Practices. First Practices, and we're looking at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Hey, have you ever been in a situation where you, and, and by the way, as I've said recently, uh, open up your Bibles and keep, keep it to that spot. Um, some of the scripture is going to be on the screen sometime, but it's not always going to be there. And, uh, and I'll be referring back to it here and there through the message. So uh, pull it up on your phone or grab one of the chair Bibles, and, or if you've got your own, uh, so it'll be there, right there for you. You ever been in a situation where you accomplished something difficult that you'd been working on, uh, and you felt the satisfaction of a plan that came together, uh, and, and everything worked the way you hoped it would, uh, have you ever had a, a moment like that, standing in the satisfaction of success, and then suddenly a stark reality hit you, and you thought, okay, now what? <laughs> now what? I remember several years ago when I was walking around uh, a park that I used to enjoy at Fort Meade, Maryland, when I would go up and do reserve duty. Um, there was this dog there one day with somebody, who, uh, and the dog was chasing some Canada geese around this lake that's in the park called Burba Lake. Um, and, uh, uh, and somehow the dog was able to trap two geese up against one of those orange uh, construction fences, you know. Uh, they were doing some construction, and, and, and he got two geese cornered up against this orange fence area. And, and so the dog got exactly what he wanted. He got exactly what he wanted. I think it was like a Labrador or something, but he had himself trapped two geese all to himself. But then the dog and the geese just kind of stared at each other. <laughs> and, and, and if that dog could talk, I could imagine him saying, yes, I trapped these geese. This is so cool. Okay, now what? <laughs> now what? What do I do now? I got this victory. I got these geese that I, that I wanted. Uh, what am I going to do? Play with them? Eat them? Use them as, have them as pets or something? What am I going to do with them? It was clear this dog did not have a plan after he had cornered these geese. So after a few seconds of, of staring at each other, the dog left with his owner, and the geese went back to eating and leaving goose droppings everywhere, as geese do. You know, in our study of the New Testament book of, of Acts, we've been talking about the first day of the church so far. Uh, the, this first day of the church took place in the city of Jerusalem during a Jewish annual festival called Pentecost. Uh, so thousands of Jews, maybe a million Jews, came, had come together from all over the world to Jerusalem. Um, and so the, the, the apostles were instructed by Jesus... The 12 apostles were instructed by Jesus to stay there in Jerusalem during this festival and wait for the promised Holy Spirit to come upon them, and then they would know what to do from there. So the Holy Spirit did come, as we, as we talked about, uh, uh, in a very powerful way, with, with a loud blowing wind, with fire, with uh, their ability to speak languages that they had never studied before. So powerful, so powerful that it attracted the attention of several thousand people who just happened to be in the area where the apostles were. 
people from all over the Roman world. The Holy Spirit got the people's attention through these miracles and then gave the Apostle Peter the opportunity to present the very first gospel message ever preached to these people. Peter laid it out for them that day in this message. He told them that God sent Jesus uh, to be their Savior uh, and, and that they killed him. The Jewish people killed him. But then God raised him from the dead. And now Jesus sits at the right hand of God in heaven. Peter used Scripture during his message to, to help them see Scriptures that they were familiar with that proved to them that Jesus was who he said he was. Um, the twelve also offered their own eyewitness testimony. They, they declared, we saw Jesus alive after he was dead. So they, they had eyewitness testimony. And when Peter was finished with his message, this first gospel message, uh, it brought the desired response from this group of people that were listening. Uh, this, Acts 2 uh, tells us that these people were cut to the heart or they were greatly troubled because of what they heard. They realized that they were responsible for killing the Son of God, their Messiah. So they asked Peter, Peter, Peter what do we do about this? What, what do we do about this? And Peter told them two things. You need to repent. You need to turn from the way you've been living and start living the way God wants you to live. That's what repentance is. And you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and live in you. So 3,000 people responded to that first gospel message and were baptized that day. Their faith... And God's grace came together at their baptism. God forgave their sins, saved them, and gave them the Holy Spirit to come and live in their lives. So there the apostles stood at the end of that day with 3,000 brand new Christians, the very first Christians, the very first Christians all dripping wet from their baptism, all forgiven of their sins, all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're basking, the, the apostles basking in their success, could have asked, okay, now what? Now what? What do we do with these 3,000 new Christians? You know, that happens sometimes in ministry. Uh, through the years, during the many events that we've had here at Stony Brook, uh, the the many outdoor Christmas dramas we had back in the 90s and early 2000s, uh, the, the dessert theaters we've had at Christmas time, uh, the 12 upward flag football seasons, um, vacation Bible schools like we had uh, yesterday and Friday and, and in the past, fall festivals that we've had uh, in the past. You know, after a successful event that we've had here, um, after a few minutes of of basking in the, the success and in, in the victory in the moment, we've often been forced to stand back and ask, okay, that was great, but now what? Now what? You know, we had a bunch of folks come out and sit in the cold December night to watch a, a, a Christmas drama. Uh, okay, now what? <clears throat> now what? We, we had a few evenings where people enjoyed a delicious dessert 
watching a Christmas play. All right, now what? Uh, We completed another successful upward football season with up to 140 participants in some years. All right, now what? Now what? As important as the success the, the, the successful event was, if you think about it, the follow-up plan is equally important, isn't it? You know, our goal uh, in all the events that we've always done, or ever will do, is, just, is never to just entertain someone, or uh, it was never just to give them an opportunity to play football or cheer. No, our ultimate goal is always to use tools like events to attract people to Jesus, That's why we do them. That's why we do them. So following a Christmas event or a vacation Bible school or an upward season, we would offer invitations to those who attended to come back. We we invite you to come back and share in worship with us, to join us in worship, to come back and hear hear more about this message that you heard tonight in this drama uh, or during a devotion that was given to be uh, that was presented at the event. There needs to be a follow-up. There's got to be something that comes after the success, right? When the apostles stood before 3,000 brand-new Christians, they could have panicked if someone said, okay, great job, you did it, but now what? Now what? They could have panicked, but they didn't. They didn't. Because Jesus had given them a plan for now what? Now what? And it was the play. The play. If you don't know what the play is, go back about several lessons on, on the podcast and you can, you can get caught up. Uh, the play that Jesus handed off to the twelve before he went back to sit at the right hand of God. Let's, let's be reminded about what the play is from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. This was just before Jesus went back to be with his father. He said to the twelve, therefore go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So the play was, is, Jesus said, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them. Simple, but so effective, so effective. And the apostles did just as Jesus called them to do. The play was first run, implemented at this festival of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And 3,000 people responded to the play, responded to Peter's message. 3,000 people decided that they wanted to become disciples, followers of Jesus. And then 3,000 people were baptized, where their faith and God's grace came together for the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So now what? Now what? Well, now it's time for part three of the play. For part three of the play, it's time to teach them. It's time to teach them. And specifically, according to Jesus, teach them everything that I taught you. Twelve, teach them everything that I taught you. And how did they do that? Well, let's read on in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who, who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Soon after Pentecost, after that first message, after that response, those who accepted Jesus began to gather together. Uh, not just one time, not once in a while, not even weekly or monthly, but soon after Pentecost, maybe immediately, maybe the next day, uh, maybe the same day, I don't know, but it was soon, those first Christians began to meet together every day, every day. For what? For what? To run the play, to run the play, to complete the play. And at the same time, to start the play all over again, all over again. So first, they completed the step three when they came together of the play. The apostles began to teach these new Christians, to teach them more about their Savior. All those lessons that Jesus taught them, the apostles began to teach these people, to teach them more about the Holy Spirit that they had received uh, when they became a Christian to teach them more about what it means to follow Jesus. They decided they want to become a, a follower of Jesus. The apostles taught them what that meant, what, it, what a follower of Jesus was. The 12 apostles, men who knew Jesus personally, who had followed him, who were taught by him for three years, passed on what they learned to all of these new followers. And Luke, the author of Acts, tells us that these new Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Step three of the play is vital for every Christian because step three is the, is the step that helps us keep the commitment that we make when we first make it to Jesus, to accept Jesus as our Savior, uh, when we first decide to repent and turn from the world's way of living and start living God's way, uh, step three helps us keep that commitment of repentance, of turning. Step three, feeding on the apostles' teaching. It's what is necessary for us as followers of Jesus if we want to grow and stay alive spiritually. You know, as a human, after we're born, uh, what do we do? Well, we celebrate, don't we? We go to the hospital, and we look in the window, and we see the babies in there, and we all celebrate, and we give, give cigars, and we pat each other on the back, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're excited about it. And, and that's such a wonderful thing to celebrate, the birth of a new baby, right? We, we, we've been there. But you know what? If we want things to stay great with that whole situation, what's got to happen? <laughs> what's got to happen? That baby's got to eat. He needs to eat. Uh, if he's going to survive or she's going to survive, they got to eat. Not one time and not once in a while, <laughs> but continually, every day, even at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> if our new baby is to live and thrive, it's got to eat. Its body must be nourished continuously every day, right? Right? 
And it's no different with a new Christian who's born into Christ. It's the same thing. Uh, The New Testament often compares the Christian life with the human life. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, um, uh, John tells us, the, 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 the Apostle John tells us, uh, he's quoting Jesus, and Jesus says there in John 3, 1 through 21, that, that when we become a Christian, we're born again. We're not physically like when we were a baby, but spiritually we're born into Christ. Uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, that we're given a new birth when we when we make Jesus our Savior. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that our old life has gone away and, and now we have a, we're a brand new person, born as a brand new person, a saved person. See, when a person is born uh, again in, into Christ, what do we do? We celebrate, don't we? When someone is baptized into Christ, uh, as we watched a video yesterday, uh, some of us... Uh, People were applauding at the end, right? We applaud. We always do that. Yay, that person is now a saved individual. They're forgiven of their sins. They have the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful celebration it is. What a wonderful moment. But as a new follower or someone maybe who helped lead that person to Christ, we cannot just simply bask in that celebration and then just go on about our business and forget about it. Bask in that victory. No, we've got to answer the question now what? If we're a brand new Christian, we've got to answer the question, okay, now I'm saved, now what? Or if we helped someone find Christ, we've got to ask the question, all right, I helped this person find Jesus, now what? Now what? And the answer is, be fed with spiritual food that you need so that you can survive as a follower of Jesus. You've got to be fed You've got to be fed. If a new follower of Jesus is not fed regularly, regularly, he will not grow. He will not become a healthy adult follower of Jesus that God wants us to to be. And very often, the new follower falls away, falls away. So just as those first followers of Jesus devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching... So should you devote yourself to the the apostles' teaching. So should I devote myself to the apostles. So should everyone who receives the forgiveness, uh, uh, who receives God's grace through Jesus, so should everyone feed on the apostles' teaching, just like those first Christians did. You might ask, though, well, well, how could I devote myself to the apostles' teaching? Because, hey, haven't they been dead for like 2,000 years? Yeah, they have. Uh, it's true that those first Christians, man, they were so blessed, weren't they? Because they got to sit in the presence of the 12 apostles to learn about Jesus. Man, what a, can you imagine that? Can you imagine sitting in uh, the Apostle Peter's class, you know, as he talked about you know, what he did with Jesus and seeing all the miracles and the transfiguration and, you know, and, and, all, and he was there when he died and and when he rose from the grave, wouldn't it be great to sit in the presence of one of the twelve who was there? Well, we don't have that experience. But you know what? We, we still do have the Apostle Peter's teaching. You know, you know what it is? It's called the New Testament. The New Testament is the Apostle's teaching. 
In the New Testament, we have the teachings of Peter, of John, of Matthew, of Paul, of James. All people who knew and followed Jesus. I just referred to three different passages from Peter, Paul, and John about some teaching that they learned firsthand from Jesus. You know, we don't have the opportunity to, to sit in a class taught by Peter. But you know what? In, in a way, what we have is even better than they had. Because you and I don't have to go to Jerusalem, <laughs> to the temple courts, and find Peter and, and see if he's available to teach us a lesson. We don't have to do that, do we? No, we can learn from Peter and all the other apostles anytime, anywhere we want. We can learn from the Apostle Paul on our lunch break at work, or with our morning coffee, or during Wednesday night, uh, Bible study and, and our meal, uh, as we talk to a friend out on the golf course. All we need, all we need is our Bible, our Bible. And today, our Bible is easier to access than ever before. I, mine's right here. You got, if you've got a Bible app, you've got, you got yours right, right there, or you, or you have your, your, your book Bible that you can carry with you. But we've got it with us wherever we are. The New Testament is simply the apostles' teaching written down. The apostles' teaching written down for all Christians to use, to grow, and to share with others. The New Testament is simply the apostles' teaching written down to be used to help us grow and to share with others. So the play was complete. The play was complete. These new disciples were baptized and now were being taught. And they did this together as a group. You know, at first they met every day in the temple court. Now, we're not commanded to... Thou shalt meet every day. But those first ones did. Uh, the first ones met in the temple courts there in Jerusalem to learn and to grow from the apostles. They also did other things while they were together during those times. They fellowshiped. They fellowshiped. They enjoyed time together, like we're going to do Sunday at the baseball game. Uh, they enjoyed time together. They shared a newfound personal relationship with Jesus that they could celebrate together. They all had that in common. Uh, how satisfying it must have been to have a, a brand new family who, who all shared the same hope and the same promises. They fellowship together by learning together, by, by participating in the Lord's Supper together the breaking of bread by praying together for all the the prayer needs that they had and giving thanks to god together at other times they gathered gathered in each other's homes to eat meals together you know it, it would be many years before designated buildings would be built specifically for christians to gather in church buildings cathedrals and things like that and no the first christians met and public buildings like the temple uh, or by a river like Lydia did we talked about a few weeks ago or uh, in somebody's home most often in somebody's home they worked together to to help their fellow 
disciples who were in need, had some kind of need. They would sell some of their possessions and then take the money that they got from the sale to give to those who were in need. And notice the result of these first practices, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, these first Christians didn't just keep their hope and their joy in Christ to themselves, selfishly. No, they they shared it with others in their community that they knew. Their lives were changed and people noticed it. People noticed it. They boldly shared their new faith with people around them. And and those people around them were attracted to this message, uh, to all that Jesus offered in this life and and, in the life to come. These new Christians continued to run the play. They didn't just uh, let the apostles do it either. They didn't just let them do all the teaching and all the sharing. Um, they shared their faith themselves. Everybody got involved in running the play. And the result was tremendous. God added to their number every day. Every day. People every day were deciding to follow Jesus. They were being baptized. And they were learning and growing. Every day. These Christians had gathered together, shared together, ministered together were called the church or the body of christ all of them worked together empowered by the holy spirit to share the gospel to run the play to keep growing both spiritually and in number how simple those first practices were you know the church did not begin with fancy buildings and fancy clergy and fancy clergy outfits, uh, and fancy services, and fancy furnishings, and fancy technology. No, it was simply followers of Jesus regularly gathering to celebrate their faith together and to share it with others. That was the church. That was it. That was it. You know, personal evangelism is certainly an important part of being a Christian. Jesus taught personal evangelism. He demonstrated it. The apostles taught it, demonstrated it. In other words, sharing Jesus one-on-one with me, with you, you with somebody else, is, is vital and it's biblical. And we should all take every opportunity we can to share our faith with somebody in our lives. But you know what? Corporate evangelism is also vital and also biblical. In other words, Group evangelism, doing it together, gathering together regularly and and enthusiastically inviting people to join us as we gather together, to join us as we celebrate uh, together and learn together, serving together, also uh, uh, individually, but also as a community, like we do at Christmas time when when we, the last couple of years, we've helped a a single mom uh, with gifts and And as we're going to be doing soon with Celebrate Recovery, uh, evangelism, reaching out to meet needs together as a group. You know, our corporate gatherings are a time for Christians to recharge our batteries, our spiritual battle. As we as individual Christians, we do that. We love to come in and just have the Lord's Supper and, and be recharged and learn. 
But our, our, our corporate gatherings can also be a time to share our love for Jesus with others, those who are in need of Jesus in their life. You know, sometimes we treat our gatherings uh, together as if they're, uh, they're just for club members only. We really almost think of it that way, or, or maybe we don't think of it that way, but that's the, that's the way we practice it. It's just for, just for club members only. Almost selfishly keeping our celebrations to ourselves. But the church is not a private club. <laughs> no, it's, it's the instrument God created to run the play. That's its purpose, to run the play. And if we want God to add to our numbers, like he added to their numbers, we must be willing to take action to open up our hearts and our doors for people in our lives so they can see Jesus through us. So, invite your coworker to, to, to a gathering. Invite your gym buddy. Invite your, your, your coffee friend. Uh, invite your business associate, uh, your grocery store cashier, people in your life. Invite them to join you to celebrate Jesus. Invite them to Sunday morning worship to be here with you. Invite them to Wednesday night meal to get a delicious meal and a great Bible study. Uh, invite them to the Tops game on, on Sunday to come with you. Invite them to a youth event like a vacation Bible school or our regular youth events that we have. Uh, if you have a friend who is struggling with, with a hurt, habit, or hang-up uh, in their life. Uh, tell them about CR that's coming up soon. That, and, and, and maybe we could help them uh, through that. Uh, if you know somebody that's in need of whatever, tell us about it. Come to me or one of the elders or one of the deacons and, and tell us what's going on, and maybe we can help. Maybe we can help. People could see that something great was going on with those first Christians. They could see the, the, their behavior was different. Their attitudes were different than they were before. They could hear it in their voices. They could see it in their new priorities in their lives. You know, if we let Jesus shine in our lives, both personally and as a group together, People will see it today, too, and they'll want what we have. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, the first practices of the first Christians was to let their light shine. And when they got people's attention with the light that they were shining, they ran the play. They ran the play. Let's open up our hearts and our doors and our lives, and let's let people see Jesus in us individually and as a group as a body of believers. And if we'll do that, like those very first Christians, God will add to our number those who are being saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this, this great example of <laughs> those very first Christians, Lord. 
as we've said, uh, the best copy is the original copy. And boy, these people, these original Christians, they were on the ball and they, they had passion for you and they loved you so much and they wanted other people to know about you. Lord, I just pray that, that we can capture that passion, uh, that we can um, be that shining light for people in our lives. As we go back to work, as we go back to, to meet with friends, as we, uh, wherever we go, to our families at home, I pray that we can be that shining light that can attract people to you, that we can invite them to join us as we gather together to celebrate and to serve and just have fellowship together and eat meals and, and all the different things we enjoy doing together. Uh, also, Lord, help us to reach out just one-on-one with people that we encounter in our lives um, so that as people see the, the passion we have for Jesus in our lives, uh, they'll want it too, and they can become disciples and be baptized and start learning. So, Lord, thank you for this, this time to learn those first practices. May we practice them too. In Jesus' name, amen.